Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorbinRosewood.com. Now on with the show. Episode 4, Sweet Dream. Welcome, I'm Corwin Rosewood, and tonight we return to the tale of a very dramatic vampire named Victor, who is just trying to have a nice evening with a handsome young man, but keeps being interrupted by murder and mayhem. Let's see if he can finally get that kiss. Scene, Belladonna Club. After Jin left, Victor finally returned to the dance floor, hoping to lose himself in dancing and drinking. He moved through the crowd with practiced ease. A drink at last settled in one hand, and the confident smirk returned to his face. He looked over the writhing bodies moving to Robert's DJing, and he found himself wondering if perhaps his friends were right. Did he have a type? Was he just repeating the same pattern over and over? He thought about it for a while, and he had to admit there had been quite a few of them. Hmm, let's see, there was Jason, Marco, Raphael, Benji, Marco again, Wesley, Bao, Avery. Goodness, it did add up when you thought about it. But really, who could blame him? It wasn't his fault everybody was so bloody boring. You know how it is. He'd see some hot young thing. He would seem interesting and unique. They would have a few fabulous evenings, and then inevitably they would disappoint. There just wasn't any substance to men these days. There was no men of culture, of taste, of true eccentricity and style. None that he could find anyway. But like all true romantics, Victor held out hope. Maybe this one was different. He looked up to the stage where Robert seemed to be nearing his big finale, heading for a drop to make the crowd go wild. Victor felt his heart flip-flop in his chest at the sight of him, and immediately he knew it didn't matter. He would see this through with Robert as surely as the sun would rise in the sky tomorrow. It was simply meant to be, and there was no denying nature. Victor watched with admiration as Robert finished his set and the audience cheered for him. There was something so attractive about performers. As the next DJ took the stage, Victor moved away from the dance floor and meandered out into the club. He saw with relief the man he had drained of blood being carried off by two of Samson's hired helpers. They gave him a wave of acknowledgement, and he nodded back. His thoughts returned to the amulet and the strange feelings he had had when he drank the man's blood. What the hell was going on? These thoughts were racing through his mind as he wandered aimlessly through the club, waiting for Robert. He was so distracted that he almost didn't notice the two goons sneaking up behind him. 
almost. He whipped around quickly and said, What do you want? He looked them over. It was the two hired guns from the crime scene, the ones who were working for whoever had made that amulet. Well, this- Where is it? said the tall, bald man, leaning in towards Victor and trying to use his bulky form to intimidate him. Victor was not impressed, and his face said as much. Where is what? he asked, his face a picture of innocence. The amulet, we know you got it, the man said, sneering in what Victor thought was truly a pastiche of intimidation. Give it to me now and nobody gets hurt, he added, grabbing a fistful of Victor's shirt and pulling him close. Whoa, whoa, I'm here with somebody, Victor said flirtatiously, pretending he didn't know what the man was getting at. The woman pulled his fist off Victor and said, sorry about my friend, he gets a little worked up. Just give us the amulet and we don't need to take this upstairs. Oh, are you like the good cop and he's the bad cop? Victor asked. Sorry, but roleplay really isn't my thing. That's it, I'm punching him, the bald guy said, advancing on Victor with his gargantuan hand closed in a tight fist. We saw you on the cameras. We know you had the amulet when you drained that guy earlier, so don't pretend we're stupid. Oh, I don't have to pretend, Victor said, ducking quickly as the man aimed for his head. So, the bad guys own this club. Interesting, Victor thought as he dodged a second attempt from the man to clobber him. Stop trying to hit him and just search him already, the woman shouted, irritated at her blockheaded accomplice. He frowned as he made another attempt to punch Victor. But he's just got such a punchable face. I can't stand him. You know, Victor said, crouching down on the floor to avoid another attack, you're not the first person to say that about me. The bald man may have been an idiot, but the woman definitely wasn't, and she wasn't a bad fighter either. She rolled her eyes at the goon and carefully tripped Victor as he dodged a punch, sending him sprawling across the dark nightclub floor. Don't punch him, just search him, she repeated angrily. The bald man grunted and yanked Victor up by his coat, pulling him upright and starting to search through it. Victor tried to wriggle free, but the man's hold on him was too strong. He realized then that the man had to be a vampire or another supernatural creature. Any human would not have been able to hold him this long. He began to struggle in earnest now. It was one thing to get into a fight with thugs, but entirely another to fight vampires. Oh my God, what are you doing? said a voice Victor instantly recognized behind him. Robert had finally found him. Get away from him right now, Robert added, pushing his way in between the bald man and Victor. Sorry, can't do that, club business, the man said, making sure not to lose his grip on Victor's jacket. Excuse me, Robert said, putting his hand on one hip and pulling his shoulders back. His other hand held a bouquet of red roses, and his black fur coat was over one shoulder. His eyes were flashing with anger, and he looked absolutely stunning. I don't understand what kind of club business could possibly require you to beat up my boyfriend, but as you know, I am this club's biggest draw right now, so you'd better forget about it unless you want to take this upstairs. Victor looked from the bald man to Robert and back again. Robert was staring him down fiercely, and to Victor's total surprise, it seemed to work. The man put Victor down and released him with a glare. 
This isn't over, he said to Victor, and turned away. Sorry, Robert, the woman said, nodding her head as they both backed away into the dimly lit club. Victor let out a whistle as he watched them walk away. Boyfriend, he said, turning to Robert with a raised eyebrow. What did you do to upset those two so much? Robert asked, avoiding the question. Victor shrugged. I guess I was just too handsome. So when did I become your boyfriend? Robert shrugged. I think the moment you sat down at my table. My apartment is around the corner. Want to get out of here? Desperately, Victor said, sliding his hand into Robert's and following him out the doors of the Belladonna Club and into the freezing cold night. Scene. Robert's apartment. They made their way through the city and soon arrived at Robert's building and headed upstairs. As they stood in front of the door to Robert's apartment, their sweaty hands entwined, Victor felt like his heart might leap out of his chest. He savored the moment. Robert's beautiful curly hair and the strange floral scent he still couldn't place. He'd experienced moments like this hundreds of times before, but the mystery, that first rush, it never got old. Robert unlocked the door and entered, throwing his oversized leather bag of DJ equipment onto a cozy looking chair. Do you want another drink? He asked, letting go of Victor's hand and heading into the kitchen area. Oh yes, Victor called after him, barely paying attention. He was looking around the apartment and taking it in. Moderate size, comfortable, nicely furnished, but a little chaotic. Big picture windows looking out at the twinkling lights of the city. There was a record player along the back wall of the living room, surrounded by records. Victor gravitated over towards it and began flipping through vinyl. Why don't you put on a record? Robert called from the kitchen, where he was banging closet doors looking for cups. He popped his head out from around the corner, holding a glass, and added, Wait, you're not one of those assholes who has opinions about people's music taste, are you? Victor frowned. Of course not. I fear you have severely misjudged me, darling. So you are, Robert said, laughing and disappearing again. Victor smiled. He found Robert's playfulness charming and a little disarming. He ran his hands over the record player and gently flipped through the collection. This was a test and he knew it. Robert was a DJ after all. He went past the eclectic mix of music from jazz and soul classics to modern EDM and pop. He knew he had to get this right. Finally, he found it. Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, the timeless synth-pop classic by Eurythmics. He slid the shiny black vinyl out of its sleeve and carefully set it down on the player, pulling the needle over and holding his breath as it dropped. He got a tingling up his spine as the iconic synth line started, and he found himself praying he had gotten it right. He heard a little whoop of delight from the kitchen and smiled to himself. Did I pass? He called. Robert popped his head out again, this time holding a bottle of vodka. This is one of my favorite songs, he said. You've got a wonderful collection, some I've not seen before, Victor said. Well, it is my job. Why the arrogant surprise, Robert asked. 
When you've lived hundreds of years, you just sort of expect that you've seen everything, Victor replied. Oh, right. Hundreds of years. You're still on that, Robert said, rolling his eyes. Victor laughed. Yes, I'm still on that. But it need not disturb our pleasant evening. Agreed. What hadn't you heard of? Victor looked a little sheepish, but went back over to the collection and held up a record. Robert's mouth dropped. You haven't heard of Black Pink? Where have you been? Victor shrugged. I don't know. I've been on a jazz kick this month. Are they new? They're K-pop, baby, Robert replied. Victor nodded knowingly. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. My friend Jin keeps trying to get me into it. Robert scoffed and shook his head as he retreated into the kitchen. Imagine living all that time and letting K-pop pass you by. Waste of immortality, if you ask me. Victor chuckled and headed over to admire the view from the window. I'll try to improve, he said, looking out at the city, twinkling like the stars above. Lights going dark as people went to bed. A young couple walking along the road below the building. He savored the moment, the anticipation of what was to come. Everything with Robert up until this point had been impossibly magical. How much longer could it stay that way? The music switched to ambient techno, and he turned around to see Robert had plugged his phone into the stereo. Sometimes it's easier this way. Vinyl is such a hassle, Robert said. Then he picked up two very different looking drinks and glided over to him. What's this? Victor asked as Robert handed him a small glass with brown liquid. Aged whiskey, neat, Robert said, smiling as he took a sip of his own drink, which was a red to orange fade with a hot pink straw and a maraschino cherry. Well, that's actually perfect, Victor said, pleasantly surprised. He took a sip of the whiskey and grinned devilishly. It wasn't bad at all. What's that you're drinking? He asked, waving at the fruit concoction in Robert's hand. He laughed. Something terribly sweet you would probably hate. I don't hate all sweet things, Victor said, lowering his voice with a hint of a growl. I thought you wanted to get to know me, Robert said, moving to sit on a nearby armchair while taking a sip of his sweet cocktail. Victor finished his drink and set the glass down before throwing himself dramatically on the soft couch, his legs draped over the side and arms crossed under his head. Oh, I do, I do, he said entirely sincerely, but the night is long and we are young and beautiful. Victor was lying, of course. He was, in fact, hundreds of years old, but he wasn't going to let that get in the way of a good time. Scene the next morning. Victor woke up the next morning in a blissful daze. He sat up in the bed, running his hands through his dark hair and looking over the beautiful man sleeping peacefully beside him. Long eyelashes rested gently on his honey-brown skin, and Victor sighed happily as he carefully slid out of bed so as not to wake his sleeping angel. Now, where were his pants? He had no intention of making a quick exit, of course. It's just that he always felt sort of uncomfortable without pants on. No shirt? Fine. No shoes? Not bad at all. But no pants? 
How could you face the day with no pants? He tiptoed around the room until he found them crumpled in the corner. Then he went out to the living room to put them on without waking Robert. The apartment was chilly and calm. It was raining outside, and the gray morning mist was just visible through the big picture windows. He smiled. A rainy morning was the idyllic ending to a perfect evening. As a man, he loved the rain. As a vampire, he needed the rain, and the clouds and fog too. The rumors about vampires and sunlight weren't true, but they weren't exactly a lie either. Sunlight dampened their powers. It wouldn't kill them or anything so drastic, but it wasn't exactly ideal weather. Some vampires who found their powers overwhelming or upsetting, like Persephone, loved the sunshine and the opportunity to be less powerful. Victor did not. He found it bothersome and it made him feel anxious and vulnerable. A rainy day was always a blessing. He looked around the apartment his bare feet quiet on the cold wood floors. He spotted some cardboard boxes near the window and peeked inside them. Yes, he was snooping and he wasn't ashamed. There was something about Robert. He just didn't make sense. He was too perfect. Victor needed to understand him and prying was an ideal way to do that. The boxes were disappointingly unhelpful. They contained more books and records, an impressive collection to say the least, and a flat-screen television. Victor frowned. He had not noticed the boxes last night, or the absence of a television. You don't need to look through my things, you could just ask me what you want to know. Robert's voice said charmingly from the doorway of the bedroom. Victor looked up in surprise. He wasn't bothered that Robert had seen him sneaking. He was shocked that he hadn't heard Robert get up. How'd you do that? Victor asked, quickly walking over to him. Do what? Robert asked, meeting him eye to eye. Get up without me hearing you. Robert shrugged. I don't know. I guess some people are just quieter than others. You made a racket when you got up. Coffee? He asked, and sailed around Victor's stunned face into the kitchen. Victor knew that wasn't true. He knew how to be deadly quiet, and he had been. But this wasn't the time to figure this mystery out. A beautiful man was making him coffee on this perfect morning. Why ruin a good thing? Yes, please. Uh, black, he replied. Robert snorted with laughter. No way. You want black coffee? That's so unexpected. Victor smiled. He liked that he didn't intimidate Robert. It was rare. Are you new to the city? Victor asked. I saw the boxes and I thought perhaps you were. Sort of, Robert said. My family lives here, so I visited often, but I had been living in New York for a while. Why the change of scenery? My sister, Robert began. The witch, Victor asked with a laugh. Robert chuckled. Indeed, the very same. She convinced me that there was some excellent opportunities here and it would be worth my time. What kind of opportunities? Victor asked. Robert shrugged, walking over to him and pushing the dark locks out of Victor's face before kissing him deeply. I've found this city to be full of opportunities, he said, with a devilish grin. Before Victor could figure out how to respond, their moment was interrupted by a very unusual ringtone. Victor looked around the loft, wondering where it was coming from. 
He looked at Robert, who just looked bemused and made no attempt to locate the source of the sound. After a minute, it began ringing again. Are you going to get that? Victor asked. Robert shook his head. It's not mine. Whose is it then? Victor asked, confused. The phone stopped for a second and then began again. Whoever was calling was very persistent. Robert turned away from Victor and headed back to the kitchen. I'm guessing it's yours, he said over his shoulder with a laugh. Oh shit, it is mine, Victor said, realizing that it must be Samson calling on the new magical burner phone. He dashed into the bedroom and began rifling through the mountainous piles of black clothing strewn everywhere. Between all of his clothes and Robert's wardrobe, it wasn't easy. He sighed dramatically, wishing not for the first time that one of his vampire powers was x-ray vision. The phone stopped again. Damn it, he said, pulling up what he thought was his coat but turned out to be a pair of pants. He began throwing clothes in a pile on the bed, finally locating his trench coat stuffed in a corner under a candlestick. But to his dismay, he discovered that the phone was no longer inside it. The beeping began again, and he growled in frustration. Easy, tiger, Robert said with a laugh, handing him a mug which said, good vibes only, and was filled with black coffee. Victor took the cup gratefully, sitting down on the bed and sipping the dark liquid. He read the mug and looked up at Robert. Really? Robert laughed loudly, his face full of joy. You are so serious. It's amazing. You're just so easy to mess with. Victor pouted, running his hands through his long hair. I can joke, he said, his tone dour and serious. He smiled a little at how ridiculous he sounded and continued. But right now, I'm just so frustrated. I need this phone. It's important. Okay, Mr. Fabulous, cool your jets. I'll help you find it, Robert said, putting his mug down and carefully picking his way through the piles of clothes on the floor. You really must stop calling me that, Victor said, crossing his legs and taking another sip of his coffee. Highly unlikely, Robert replied from behind a tower of black fur. Victor grumbled again quietly, and Robert giggled in response. Aha! Robert shouted, and jumped up triumphantly, dusting himself off and looking at the phone in his hand. Is this the... Whoa, this phone is crazy looking, he said, turning it over in his hands and watching the symbols glow and shift color in the light. <clears throat> yes, you know, um, vampire stuff, Victor said, jumping up and reaching for it. Who's Samson, your other boyfriend? Robert asked. Please give me the phone, Victor said, his voice raising slightly and holding out his hand. This is not a time for games, Robert. Sorry, Robert said meekly, putting the phone in his hand. I guess I just want you all to myself. Crazy, right? We only met yesterday. Victor smiled, pleased at this sentiment, but the phone's ringing distracted him. Don't worry, Samson is just a friend he said, and ducked out onto the balcony to finally answer the phone, grabbing his cigarettes from the nightstand on his way. Ah, finally, Samson said, their tone a mix of annoyed and worried. So sorry. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Just a little mix-up, Victor said, feeling embarrassed to have lost track of his phone. What kind of mix-up? Samson asked, inquisitive. Victor groaned. 
A very unimportant one. What's going on, Samson? It's about the mausoleum, Samson said, causing Victor's stomach to drop out from under him. What about it? Victor asked, suddenly wide awake and alert. My sources, um, they have gone missing, Samson said. What? Victor replied, alarmed. Indeed, Samson said gravely. They both sent me strange messages telling me not to keep looking into things and that they would be out of town for a while. Victor ran his hand through his dark hair and pulled out a cigarette. Shit, that's terrible. Samson laughed darkly. You never were one for subtlety, Victor. Can you go investigate for me? Victor lit up the cigarette, carefully shielding it behind his hand in the strong wind. Do you have a driver for me? He asked. No, you're going to have to find one, Samson said. I don't know anyone who can drive right now, Victor replied, frowning. I can drive, Robert said from behind him. Victor turned around, glaring at him. What? Robert said, innocently holding up a plate with grapes and aged cheese. I totally wasn't eavesdropping. I just thought you might be hungry. Who's that? Samson asked tensely. My boyfriend, Victor said, smiling at Robert and taking the grapes. Your what? Samson said, clearly surprised to hear Victor call him that. You heard me, Victor replied. And so we end another episode. Things are looking up for our two lovebirds, but of course, there's a storm brewing on the horizon and it's only a matter of time before it catches up with them. You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost with additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at corwinrosewood.com. Thank you for listening.